It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. You know, stubbornness is a bad trait no matter where it's found. It can be found in a child. We've all seen that child who, man, just doesn't want to listen, always wants to do it their way. You say up, they're going to go down. You say go into that room, they're going to go into a different room. You say clean your room, they're going to go outside and play. Just a stubborn spirit that's just going to do things the way they want to do them. Hey, it's not just in children, though. We can see this in adults. Adults that never take advice, adults that always want to do it their way, they always think they're right, and we sit there and we look and we watch their life go through so much suffering and difficulty because they just won't open their ears and take good advice. Well, as bad as stubbornness is in these practical situations, the worst uh, case for stubbornness is when we find ourselves being stubborn against God himself. Here in Acts chapter 7, we see a sermon preached by a man named Stephen. Now, Stephen is one of those who were chosen to be a deacon in Acts chapter 6, was chosen to serve the tables of the widows so the apostles could give themselves to the word and prayer. Well, Stephen's ministry developed to where he really became a great spokesman and preacher of the word of God himself. And in Acts chapter number 7, you have this masterpiece of a sermon where Stephen is going step by step through the Old Testament account of the nation of Israel and showing them time and time again where God tried to bless them and they resisted him, where God tried to bless them and in their stubbornness they resisted him. And he shows them all along how most of their faults, most of their failures, most of their suffering as a nation, Israel, came about because they just would not listen to God. And he brings his sermon to a conclusion in verse 51, where he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. So right there, he made the application. He said, I've been talking about the past. I've been talking about your ancestors. I've been talking about your fathers. But it's exactly what you have done to Jesus. It's exactly what you are doing here. Verse 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have killed them, which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and the murderers. So Stephen brings Israel's failure and stubbornness to its climax of crucifying Jesus Christ, nailing him to a cross. And it said in verse 53 that you have received the law by the disposition of angels and you haven't kept it. He said, God has given you his word in the most magnificent way, and you still haven't kept his word. And then it says that after he had said this, it says that they were cut to, when they heard these things, verse 54, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. No conviction, no contrition, no, oh man, we really blew it. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Man, it always reminds me here of someone that picks up a rib and starts chewing on a nice rib, but this is a bad thing. They're gnawing on Stephen, kind of figuratively, verse 55. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears. 
man, plugged up their ears like a little kid. No, 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 I can't hear you. I can't hear you. They stopped up their ears and they ran upon him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, who we know later as the Apostle Paul. And they stoned Stephen, who was calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So here's Stephen in the application of his sermon says to them, you stiff necked in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. And that resistance became so strong that they literally in the last measure of their anger stoned Stephen to death. And even in the final measure of his life, man, he looks up into heaven and he says, Jesus, receive my spirit. And he prays for God to forgive them, basically, for what they're doing. A lot like Jesus on the cross where he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So he said, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, there's different negative words the Bible gives us um, in our relationship to the Holy Spirit. He talks about when we grieve the Holy Spirit over in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, he talks about in Thessalonians about how we can quench the Spirit. Um, in Galatians, he tells us to be um, to walk in the Spirit. Well, sometimes we don't do that. In Ephesians, he tells us to be filled with the Spirit. So God says we're to receive the Spirit, we're to walk in the Spirit, we're to be filled with the Spirit. But man, the anti-Holy Spirit is those who grieve the Spirit, quench the Spirit, resist the Spirit, refuse to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how, in a practical sense, how do we resist the Holy Spirit? I think that's something we ought to know and we ought to really make sure we're not doing in our life. I think the first way we resist the Holy Spirit is when we don't hear Him in the first place. We just don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Spirit speaks to us primarily through God's Word, and then He confirms that Word to us in our heart. But I think primarily what we're talking about here is someone who's never been saved, someone who maybe has heard the message of the gospel, but they've resisted it. They've refused to trust Jesus Christ. They've heard the message of their own sinfulness and their need of a savior, but they've either said, not me or not now, or you know whatever else, but resisting the spirit because we never receive him in the first place. And I think that's the primary message is when we're not saved and the spirit brings conviction into our life and we just tell him to go away. We don't want to hear him. We feel like we can control him. And we think somehow we can come to God anytime we feel like it. So at our leisure, we resist the spirit thinking someday we'll get back around to it. Well, you know, the reality is you may never get back around to it because our salvation's not on our timetable. It's on God's timetable. And no man calls Jesus Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's just not one day you're going to wake up and decide, hey, I think today is a good day to get saved. No, you're going to get saved when the Spirit is convicting you, when the Spirit is drawing you. And so if the Spirit's doing that, you don't resist Him. Even now, right now, if you're not saved and the Spirit is convicting you and saying to you right now, hey, you need to be saved. You need to quit playing around. You keep listening in the Word. You keep going to church. You keep hanging out with Christians. But you know in your heart you have never been saved. And right now, if you're feeling conviction at those words, make sure you're not resisting the Holy Spirit. Right now, just cry out. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask Jesus to receive you into His kingdom and into um, His work. 
Be saved today. Ask God to forgive you of your sins because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. So we resist the spirit when we don't receive him in the first place. But then I think there are ways that we can resist the spirit, even as believers, um, kind of let's call them micro resistings maybe in our life. Um, I think when we, when we don't obey his conviction in our personal lives, you know, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, according to John chapter 16 and verse 8, is to reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I believe primarily that's talking about people who don't know Christ and convicting them to come to Christ. But one of the works of the Spirit in our life, even as believers, is to convict us when there's something in our life that's just not right. Maybe we harbor bitterness against another believer. Well, according to Ephesians 4, that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's going to resist him. You know, maybe there is just things we're failing to do that we know we ought to do. Sometimes it can be something very, very practical, like we're not our prayer life. We're not praying or we're not even doing something as basic as attending corporate worship with other believers. Maybe it's just the love we're not showing to our neighbor. So often the Spirit convicts us of things in our life, even as Christians, that we're not doing that we ought to be doing. But then he also convicts us of things we are doing that we shouldn't be doing. He convicts us of sin in our life, recurring sin. Sin that we have just decided, hey, you know what? It's just the way I am. I'm just going to be this way. I don't plan on changing anything about it. Well, when you do that, you know what? You're resisting the Spirit. Not a good place to be. So we as believers resist the spirit when we don't obey his conviction in our personal lives. But we also resist, uh, we, um, resist the spirit when we resist the work of the gospel that the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish um, through the church. Acts 1.8, he said, you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus said, you're, the Holy Spirit's gonna fill you and you're gonna be testifiers of me and you're gonna do it here, you're gonna do it there, and you're gonna do it everywhere, right? Your Jerusalem, your local area, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And uh, you know what, that's the work of the church. That's the primary work of a New Testament church. That's the work of the church I pastor, Fellowship Baptist Church, to engage our communities and beyond with the life-changing gospel and love of Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? It's through the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who energizes and equips us and fills us. So if we are resisting the work of the gospel, you say, well, how do I resist the work of the gospel? Well, resisting the mission of the church and its work in trying to reach others, but we're resisting it because we're not doing it the way I think we ought to do it. Well, you know what? I love the way people are giving the gospel out to others better than anyone's way who isn't doing it, right? I can criticize the way people are doing it, but you know what? Um, I like the way they're doing it better than the way you're not doing it. So we can resist the work of the gospel in that way. I think we can resist the work of the gospel by maybe not contributing um, financially and with our lives to the work of the gospel. So if the primary mission of the church is to go into all the world, preach the gospel in every creature, yet we are not giving to that cause of missions, or we're not giving to the local mission of our church to accomplish its work, if we're not supporting it in our personal service to the Lord, um, our financial contributions, uh, our prayers for our church, and that we would stay true to the mission you see, when we resist the work of the gospel in the world, in a sense, we are resisting the Holy Spirit because that's the work of the Spirit. I think we resist the Spirit 
when we follow the traditions of men rather than the word and the spirit. Jesus goes through Samaria in John chapter four and there's a Samaritan woman there and he asks her to give him a drink of water and they get into some chit chat and he starts talking to her about her sin and about her life and our need to be right with God. And, and she starts deflecting about the traditions of their fathers. She said, you know, my fathers, my ancestors say that we need to worship God right here in these mountains, but the Jews say we need to do it in Jerusalem. What do you say, Jesus? Man, she's deflecting. She's saying, I don't need what you're offering me, resisting salvation, because she's saying, I got the tradition my ancestors given to me. And you know what? That's good enough for me. And your traditions aren't the same as my traditions. Therefore, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying. And I love what Jesus said. He said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers of God, they're neither going to worship God in these mountains or in Jerusalem, but the true worshipers are going to worship him where? In spirit and in truth, in their spirit and in the word being driven by the word, which is truth. You know what Jesus was saying? Jesus saying, you know what? Your traditions, our traditions, everyone's traditions are worthless if it's not guiding us and leading us toward worshiping God. You know what? Jesus uh, is the God of the living, not a God of the dead. When God showed himself to Israel, he called himself the great I am. The I am. Why I am? Because it was not the I was, and it was not the I will be. It was who? It was the God of the present. It's the God who's speaking right now. You know, he's given us a guidebook that kind of keeps us within the rails, and that's the Bible. So he's given us this, this judge to kind of call balls and strikes in our life as we follow his leadership. But you know what? God does new things, and God does good things. And God reaches people in every generation, in every culture, and in every style with the same exact message of the gospel that has never changed and has never failed. Why? Because the gospel, the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greeks or those who aren't Jews. So here's this woman at the well saying, you know what? You're telling me to do it this way, but my fathers, my traditions told me to do it this way. And she said, I don't care about your traditions. I don't care about our traditions. You need to worship God. He's the living God. He's right here. Worship him in spirit and in truth today. So we can resist the spirit when we follow traditions of men and our fathers rather than the word and the spirit. You see, in the fullest sense, we resist the spirit by not becoming saved. But in measure, we resist the Holy Spirit by working against what he is working for. So my life, more than anything else, needs to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit. And that's being in alignment with the will of God and being in alignment with his word. You see, they're all the same thing. It's just we have to realize when Jesus died and physically went back to heaven, the spirit came to reveal Christ to us and to empower us in his absence until he returns again. And we're to occupy in the work of God until that day when Jesus comes. And we do that through the person and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to be careful to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. 
So how am I to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading in my life today? Well, first of all, I have to listen to the Spirit. I have to listen to His Word, and as I meditate on His Word, and as I pray, I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I want Him to show me through God's Word what it is He needs for me to accomplish. And, and I believe God does that when our heart is open, that God just through circumstances, through wise counsel, through his word, and even through impressions that don't contradict the Bible, I believe the, the Spirit speaks to us. So we have to, I have to listen to him today. That means I have to be in the word every day. Then I have to yield to him. What does that mean? It means I have to be available. I can't have my plans and purposes for this day so set that pr I prioritize them over the Spirit. This is one of the really grievous sins I see often uh, in people's lives, good people, people that would love the Lord, but you know what? They prioritize their preferences, they prioritize their desires over what the Spirit desires for them that day. One of the most practical ways I see this is how often and how comfortably people can miss meeting in the assembly with believers every week in worship. You see, assembling together on the Lord's Day is not an option, it's a commandment to us. Now, I understand there are times when we miss. We get our ox in a ditch, we gotta fix something at the house that broke, we're out on vacation, we're at a place maybe where it just doesn't fit, where we can be in our normal routine, but that's not even a good reason because we can catch it online in those occasions. But you know what? God never intended believers to regularly be out of fellowship with other believers. God never intended watching church services on a TV screen to take the place of personal interaction with other believers. And I feel like if there's one of the most damaging things I've seen left in the wake of COVID, it's believers who somehow feel like sitting there at home takes the place of assembling together with other believers, whether it's laziness, whether it's you don't like the way we do it, whether it, whatever it may be, hey, let me just tell you, it's wrong. It's a sin. And it's setting you up to resist the Holy Spirit in your life. And so, you know what? I have to listen to his words. I have to make myself available and prioritize what the Spirit wants in my life today more than what I want in my life today. And then I simply have to obey him. So I listen, I yield, and I obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor Mike, do you obey the Holy Spirit perfectly? Absolutely not. I wish I did. One day I will when I'm in his presence. It's not perfection. It is direction. But you know what? It is direction. And so it's a matter of when we fail of confessing and yielding and coming back in alignment with what the Holy Spirit's desiring to do in my life today. So I listen to his word. I yield by making myself available. And I obey by simply doing the work that the Spirit wants me to do. So the word for today is to acknowledge the Spirit in your life and follow His leadership as He guides you. But not just today, every day. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.